This morning, I invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to be today. I find myself consistently coming back to this passage, regularly preach on this passage. It is one that is in some ways a, a story that I really resonate in my, what I feel in my purpose in life calling. Luke chapter 14 is where we are going to be at this morning. And I want to start off with uh, telling you a story by way of illustration. Uh, I Many of you know Melissa, my wife Melissa, and she's doting on Micah this morning. He is fast asleep. He fell asleep before my sermon, so I know it's no critique on me. Um, hopefully the critique will be whether he stays asleep or not, right? Uh, and I remember when we were uh, when we were just starting to talk, you know, it's like the pre-dating phase, right? I uh, was here on campus for some summer classes, and the, for whatever reason, the cafeteria was closed that summer. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know, this was like probably 10 years ago now, something like that. And cafeteria was closed, so there was a group of us on campus studying. We didn't have any place to eat, except for our dorm and, you know, like ramen packages and, and some uh, other things that you combine with ramen to make it to like trick yourself into thinking that it's a new meal, but it's really just ramen again, right? Uh, and I, we, were, we were kind of texting back and forth, and we were friends, we were studying together, whatever, and I told her about uh, our, the crisis of food, that we didn't have any, any food uh, cafeteria, and she was like, well, uh, you know, kind of talking about it, she was like, well, if, if, if you ever need a place to eat, like, you know where to come. And if any of you knew her grandmother, know her grandmother, her grandmother can cook, and her grandmother is in a constant state of about about any like 10 minutes and there will be a full meal in front of you, right? Just, you know, those people in your life that you can walk into somebody's house and whether invited or not, expected or not, that you know there will be a meal on the table in about 10 minutes. And so that's what she was referencing. And me, I was like, well, this is an invitation and a keen opportunity, uh, no pun intended, uh, to, uh, to uh, spend some more quality time with uh, a person that I'm uh, starting, starting to grow more fond of. So I said, hey, uh, so dinner at your place tonight? <laughs> yeah, I know, cringy, right? Uh, and then the rest is history. Uh, we're happily married now for almost seven years, wonderful baby boy, all that good stuff. Uh, that invitation in a way, changed the course of our relationship. We would, it would then be, I think that was on a Tuesday that she messaged that. I was at dinner at her house like the rest of the week, right? Every evening. It was just, and Austin, my friend, was supposed to be with me. He went like the first night and then was like, you have fun. <laughs> uh, this one, this one, this one's on you. The gospel, in a way, is about extending and accepting invitations. That's what we're going to look at today. And these invitations change the course of history. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Then he turned to his host, when, this is Jesus speaking, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors, for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Jesus is trying at a banquet, telling the people around the table, don't just invite people over to get an invite back. Because when you invite people that you know and people of high rank, you get a meal in return. The more glory comes when you invite people that cannot repay you. That's when your glory will come in the resurrection and the righteous. God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And this creates a vision in the mind of the people that are sitting around the table and one dude pipes up. Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Hearing this, 
a man sitting at the table, imagine being so well known that you get into scripture as just a man sitting at a table or a woman sitting at a table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus, if that's what banquets are like, wow, what an awesome opportunity to go because then I won't have to pay you back if you invite me, Jesus. Because you say, invite everybody that can't pay you back. I obviously can't do it. What a blessing that will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And there's an assumption that this guy makes that he is one invited and two will be present at that great banquet. Jesus, in only the way that Jesus can, then begins to tell a story that perhaps is a little bit backwards to what this guy thinks. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. And one said, I've just bought a field and must expect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought the five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Excuse after excuse after excuse. The invitations go out. And in the culture of a time when you were about to host a big banquet, uh, we didn't have iMessages or iPhones or uh, Androids. Uh, It was just a different world at that time. And so it wasn't like, hey, do you want to hang out for dinner tonight? You had to plan ahead. So the invitation would go out before the big banquet. It was kind of the the RSVP of like, hey, let us know you're coming or like save the date. And those went out. People knew about the banquet. And when the servant went out to everybody to say, hey, the banquet is, it's on, come on. People began to give excuse after excuse after excuse. And what's interesting about these excuses is that they're not really great. Is any excuse really a good excuse? It's just an excuse, right? You see, the person who had, was going to say, I'm going to go check out my property. He had already purchased the land. And why would you go look at land that you've already purchased? The purpose of that is go to check the boundary markers and everything else. You're just really preoccupied with the land that you've bought. I've got some oxen that I I, I need to go test drive. Listen, if you buy a car before test driving it, like, yeah, (laughs) you should probably begin to do that in your life. Just a, a, a word of wisdom. And the person's like, I just got married, so I can't come. The wedding feast has already happened. You already knew that. You're like, why did you extend the, uh, accept the invitation in the first place? And so Jesus continues with the story and the, the servant reports back to the, to the master in verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they said. And he said, his master was furious. I sent out the RSVPs. These people said that they were going to come. Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And verse, uh, we're going to stop right there. Go out and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Jesus flips this story on its head. What has been in the mind of the people that are sitting around the, around the banqueting table with him is that there's a certain class of people that's welcome at a particular banquet. And you wouldn't often invite these groups of people to be a part of the banquet. What you would do, however, is after the banquet was finished, you'd put a piece or a bowl or they would come to the, the back door And you would allow the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame to feast on your back porch as you threw the scraps out into the blue dumpster that sat back there. That was the culture of the time, that if you were a part of this class of people, the way that you enjoyed the banquet food was to eat people's leftovers at the back door in an alley where you wouldn't bother the rest of the guests. 
The question that rises out of this story as Jesus is telling us about what it means to make room for more is who's been allowed only through the back door that needs access to the front? Who only can show up in the back, the door kind of squeaks open and like the pot of whatever is thrown out? That we should take an active role in welcoming into the front door of our community. There are people in our community and in our world who only know what the back door looks like. They do not know what it looks like to walk across the threshold, this church, of the community, or of the gospel. Who's been allowed only through the back door that needs access to the front? Jesus isn't done. He continues, Luke 14, verse 22. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. There's always room for one more. The servant says, I've done everything. I I, I already went out and I I invited everybody that I could find and we still have place settings available. There's still room. We've got plenty of food. And this is the reality of a God-created world that each person that God has created in his image, and that would be every human that has ever existed, has room in the kingdom of God prepared for them. Heaven always has room for those God has created. There's always room for one more. Those who were invited, there was room for them. Those who go out and invite the lame and the poor, there's room for them. And there's another class of people that we will encounter in a moment that there's room for them as well. We resemble heaven when we consistently pull up another chair to the table. There's room for you. There's welcome. You are welcome to the table. That's God's design for the gospel. That's God's design for his kingdom, that it's an ever-expanding and growing kingdom that has a welcome seat for each person in this world that has ever lived, that is living, or will live. Remember a couple weeks ago, I know some of you that were here today were uh, attended our communion service that we had on New Year's Eve. I love communion on New Year's Eve. And the, just, the pots of soup just kept coming. It was a, we had to pull up another table for all the pots of soup that came. And, you know, advertised time, I think we start time was 5.30, something like that. And we're like, hey, we get things going and the room feels pleasantly full. And about 15 minutes in, there's still people walking through the door. And the place settings begin to be like, I don't know if we're going to have room. I don't know. And there's a team of us and our deacons and deaconesses, I, I appreciate them so much because the instinct was, we've got more tables in the back closet. We're going to put up more tables so that there's always room for one more. So very quickly, go to the back room, pull out the tables, pull out the chairs, and it's like crammed into this corner and crammed into that corner, and it's encroaching on this space, and it's encroaching on that. And people kept coming. We're like, oh, are we going to have enough food? Is there going to be enough communion? Are we going to have... There was enough room that evening. There's always room for one more. And you think about it for a moment as you were to think about preparing enough room for everybody. It's very difficult to anticipate the amount of people that are going to show up for an event. Particularly, the more people you add to it, the more varied it's going to be who is actually going to show up and when. But when someone shows up to your door to add one more person to the conversation, one more seat at the table, one more mouth to feed, doesn't necessarily bring a drastic drain on the community that's already at the table. Heaven always has room for those God has created. 
And each time we pull up a seat at the table, we welcome someone in communion with God. Story continues, Luke 14, verse 23. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. It's not enough that we've invited the poor, the blind, the sick, the lame, and everything else. Master says, if there is still more room, go anywhere and everywhere to find someone who is willing to come to be a part of this banquet. The highways and the hedges represent the high places and the low places. Turn over every stump, kick every cardboard box, knock on every door, go Dollar Generals, any place. Find someone to bring them to the banquet hall because I desire that my house will be full. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel. And there's an image in Revelation that I think is inspired by this chapter or this, uh, pr- this particular passage, that there will be a time when the gospel goes to every nation, tribe, tongue, kindred, and people. And I believe we are living in those days where the gospel of necessity must go to everyone and the invitation must be given indiscriminately. The charge to the servant is to extend invitations indiscriminately. It does not matter who the person is, what class, what order, their background, who they slept with the night before, what they're involved with, if they're a part of the community or not, extend invitations indiscriminately. Because those who received the original ones scoffed at the invitation. There is still room for more. The world needs to hear of a loving God, of a caring Jesus that gave of his life for us. Our responsibility is not about who accepts the gospel message. Our responsibility is to extend invitations indiscriminately and to do it with compulsion and urgency. Jesus finishes the story, Luke 14, verse 24, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. That's a harsh passage that we have to wrestle with for a moment. Hold on, isn't everybody invited and welcome? Yes. But does everyone heed the invitation? No. Your part and my part is not to worry about who will accept and who will not. Our part is to invite to the table. And sometimes the invitation to the table to an outsider causes the insiders to be a little bit uncomfortable or maybe even a lot of bit uncomfortable. But here's the thing, the master desires his house to be full, full stop. The master desires his house to be full. We are not called to gatekeep. We're not called to stand at the door and size people up and say, you fit, you fit, you don't. The charge to us is to extend invitation after invitation after invitation and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Remember when we were at Andrews and we were in this tiny postage stamp of an apartment, 700 square feet to our name or something like that. And, you know, two bedrooms, one bath, and one Sabbath morning, 
Les and I are attending church. We're like, we should have some people over for lunch. We've got enough haystacks to feed a few people. So we began extending invitations. And several friends in the area were like, hey, we're going to have haystacks at our, at our house after church. You guys want to come? And we begin inviting, begin inviting, begin inviting. And before we started inviting, we really didn't kind of agree or come to a consensus on the amount of people that we were going to be inviting. We were just kind of like, oh yeah, they're, they're good peeps. Like, let's, let's have a whole bunch of people over. So we went home and, and, and prepared the haystacks and people started coming in. And then more people kept coming in and more people kept coming in over and over. And I, those of you that have lived in apartments that are like postage stamps and like, there's not a whole lot of room. Right? So it ended up being that there's like five people in our kitchen standing and eating. There's like four people on our little tiny couch that are like knee to knee, like eating their thing. I'm sitting in a chair and like all of our shoes are right around the doorstep. And like you open the door and you're right into the living room. And I remember eating some haystack and like some olives and tomatoes falling off into somebody's shoe. And I'm like, I'm very sorry. Like, let me take care of that for you. Right? You know what it's like to be in a place that's full. When a place is full, it's warm. Sometimes it gets uncomfortable, right? You gotta throw little elbows around and like make some space. But those are spaces of invitation and welcome that you would wanna walk into and be like, I know that that's a place that I wanna be. We had fun that afternoon, eating some haystacks and just kind of rubbing shoulders with each other. The master desires his house to be full. Our part, is to extend invitations indiscriminately. So, to our engaged question, what will be our compelling message? What will we urge upon people? I would offer you this, that there is a God in heaven who loves you and accepts you. You are wanted by him and by his community. There is always room for one more.